appreciate that um, Iggy's welcome, especially the way he actually addressed me. <laughs> it um, actually shocks me to think that I'm one of the older guys around, one of the older geezers. Um, it, it sort of just made me feel again that, um, you know, we have a responsibility and um, I think I have a special responsibility. Also, I mean, I think it's about the first time that I preach with Tim and Chevy. Watching us. And I'm going to check it I'm going to share a little bit of, about my own life today. Um, hope you don't find it boring. No. But we have scriptures. The first, the first one there. Um, I didn't want to start without the scripture. Talking about appreciation. And um, it sort of was triggered by something that I read which says, if we appreciate people, then we draw them closer to us. And he went further and said that there's no reason why we shouldn't also appreciate God, because that will also draw God closer to us. Um, appreciation, love, basically. Um, and, and we also know that we are to love one another wholeheartedly, all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, and God. And um, if you bring that up to appreciation, it means we appreciate everything from one another. We also appreciate everything from God, the good that we know He will give us, and the bad which we think He might be giving us, but will turn out to be good anyway. Okay, now, a little bit about myself now. In 1952, I was in my grade two year at school. And that heading says, ungodly teacher. Um, I'll tell you why. I went to school at a very young age. I didn't like making mistakes. My teacher also didn't like me making mistakes. <laughs> and at one stage, <coughs> In my homework book, I made mistakes, I made a mistake. And I didn't have an eraser, I used a wet finger. <laughs> and the wet finger doesn't just remove the error, it removes. If you keep on going, <laughs> it goes through the paper. <laughs> and um, she didn't like that very much. In any case, I hated school. It wasn't a time of my life when I actually was very much aware of grace, especially not at school. As a child, <clears throat> we went to church. From a young age, I went to church. My parents took us to church, whether we wanted or not. But we had no choice. Every Sunday, and um, it was good. 
it was good. But um, I think the people who taught us, they basically knew the essential, but not much about um, the way to salvation. I was baptized as a baby and um, like my brothers and my sister as well. And being in church, interwoven like that, actually can be harmful in the sense of it puts you in a point of complacency. Um, I remember when we prepared for confirmation later on, when I was 16, one of the first questions that they asked that they ask you on your way to salvation is, how lost are you? Do you realize how lost you are? And um, you say yes, basically, and carry on. But in retrospect, in reflection, um, it wasn't deep. It was basically what we did, what people did, and that is it. So in 1962, I was confirmed as a member of the church. That was, I think, it was similar to the Baptist church or maybe similar to the Methodist church in England. But the knowledge <coughs> that I had was not revealed knowledge. It was learned knowledge. Revealed knowledge is knowledge that God reveals to you which leads to your salvation. I had experiences, I mean, in, in preparing for confirmation. 14 days before the day, every evening you get together in a class. And um, because I was always the youngest in my class, none of my classmates were with me. I was with children that I didn't have much to do during my school days. And one of the boys, <coughs> he had a stutter. He couldn't, could barely say two words after one another without stuttering. And um, we were very close. And one um, night, <coughs> we all prayed. And when it was his turn, I actually held my breath, wondering what was going to happen. And he started praying <coughs> without the stutter. And the first thing he did, <coughs> thank God that he could speak to him without stuttering. And for me, that was quite an experience. I'll never forget it. Of course, when you're taught like that, you get to know all the important characters in the Bible. And it's like a storybook, you know. You have it all, you have all the knowledge. But not much depth again. And then, <coughs> one Another one? There you are. And then something happened in 1993. Of course, Heinrich was born. 
And um, the reason why I'm saying that is um, while my daughter was in the hospital with Heinrich, she was met by a Christian. And it turned out that they started studying the Bible. And Sharon and myself, of course, we were quite elated until she started telling us that we need to be baptized. <laughs> <laughs> and um, eventually, we got baptized. Of course, it was a struggle for her. We thought we knew it all. At one stage, <clears throat> we were looking for a book on baptism, and there was this book saying, adult baptism or not. And I said to her, no, not that one. We looked at something else. <laughs> but um, I can only say, I think it was God who moved us. God who moved me to one day tell her, listen, I'll study the Bible. Of course, at that stage, she had already disciples meeting us, praying for us, and um, having a barbecue for us. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when, um, when I decided to study the Bible, <laughs> basically we started off with a word study, and the person who studied with me had his 15-year-old son with him. And I was absolutely blown away by that. And there was just no um, argument from my side at all. Simply because it all came together. For me, it all came together. And, um, you know, I just realized that the one we need to know most cannot be discovered on our own. He must reveal himself to you. The same ineffable one which we, whom we cannot um, understand on our own, he makes himself known through his word. And I think that happened with us. You see, I know um, one of my nephews told us that he, um, he found God in the field when he saw this beautiful butterfly and he just came to the conclusion that God must exist. But that is not enough. Um, you can see there, creation and providence manifest the existence and goodness of God, but they are insufficient to tell us of his will for us and about our salvation. It's simple like that. I mean, if you look at the scriptures, yeah, scriptures are like spectacles, like our spectacles. We, 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 we look through these lenses to see God, to see the world, and to see ourselves. That is why Paul can tell us not to be like the man who looks into the mirror 
forgets what he sees and then walks away without making any changes. The Bible makes it very clear to us who we are and who God is. But we must be open for that. And very soon, of course, getting baptized, etc. But very soon, or very quickly, you find out, but there's quite a frustration when you actually want to share this with people because they don't see it yet. They don't see it yet. It is like you having been in that same situation. And the only thing you can do is to pray for them and to feed them the Word. Inspire them to keep reading, keep searching. They're only being knowledgeable enough, wise enough, and skill enough, skillful enough to reveal God to you. is God Himself. And that is what you must pray for. So, another one? Go on. Okay. So in 1993, the two of us were baptized into Christ. And uh, that was the year that Heinrich was born. So my grandson, every time I see him, I think about my salvation. And of course, the Bible came alive. For me, the Bible came alive. You know, you read, bit, you read about Cain and Abel. You know that he killed Abel. That's the story. But <clears throat> the thing that captures me is when, um, when Cain realizes God doesn't like his offering. He went and he sat. And God came to him and said to him, Why are you sitting with your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It decides, it, it, it desires to have you, but you must resist it. And when, 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 when I was, it wasn't the first time I saw that, but at that stage it was the first time that I really got the message. Sin will be there. Enoch, he's walked with God for 300 years. He had a walk with God. And he was taken directly. We know that Enoch was taken up into heaven. There we pray to have a God, walk with God like Enoch. Um, it was strange for me to read that Enoch started having a walk with God at the birth of his son, or when his son was born. I don't know anything about his son was Methuselah. Huh? 
longest living man, huh? Noah, what, 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 what fascinated me about Noah was about 15 or 16 times you read, Noah did everything exactly the way God told him to. You never see Noah arguing with God, but where's the water? Moses, I mean, Moses is obviously a very strong character in the Bible. But the thing that still fascinates me is the fact that after everything he did, he was allowed to see the promised land, but not allowed to enter it. Because he hit the rock for water instead of talking to the rock. And I imagine that was probably unbelief that made him hit the rock. Joseph, I think Joseph is a, is a, now you can get all the names there. Joseph is probably one of the characters that kids like to learn about. But for me, what fascinates me about Joseph is the fact that he started off as a fairly arrogant young man, I think. But very quickly, he became so attached to God that he just stood firm. Um, the way he <coughs> faced Potiphar's wife and said to her, look, I cannot do this to my master, and I cannot do this to my God. And then ended up in jail. And at, at the end of the um, story with Joseph, it turns out that his whole life was planned so that the Israelites would survive seven years of famine. And then somebody else who <laughs> fascinated me was Naaman. Naaman gave me my last push towards baptism. Because he had leprosy and he was told to go and bathe himself seven times in a specific river. First thing he did was he said, why didn't that prophet come out and just wave his hands over me? Second thing he said was, why in that dirty river there are other clean rivers? And you see yourself in trying to make excuses. And his servants <coughs> ushered him until he actually went into the water and bathed himself seven times. And when he came out the seventh time, it says his skin was like that of a baby. And why it actually pushed me towards my baptism was simply, you know, it wasn't the water that saved him, that cleansed him. It was God who cleansed him. But there was a condition that was down seven times. So we go down and we get baptized into Christ. We die with Him, we resurrected with Him. 
and there was no argument. Then, of course, David, <coughs> in spite of his sin, David is described as a man to, to the heart of God. He was a man after God's heart. Psalm 23 was my first memorized psalm. And it's amazing. So if, if you say that psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters, refreshes myself, guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I may walk in the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He solves my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, His goodness and His love will follow me all my days. And I will dwell in His house forever. If, <clears throat> if you have this song, then it takes you through many dips and over many hills as well. Another psalm that really impacts me as well is Psalm 32. Psalm 32, which runs a little bit along with Psalm 51. I think, I don't exactly know when David wrote Psalm 32, but you can follow me. <coughs> Starts off by saying, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. He is being led in hell. Then, go, then he goes ahead and he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Bones wasted away from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. And my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So he must have gone through the hell while he was feeling guilty and before he confessed. Then he goes on and he says, then I acknowledged my transgressions for the Lord, did not cover up iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions, and the Lord forgave the guilt of my sin. 
Therefore, let all the faithful pray to the Lord while he may be found. And surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach there. Goes on to say, You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. And you surround me with songs of deliverance. So, confession and relief. And this, this kind of thing, I mean, if you read from the song this morning, of the, uh, it means, um, means welcome as well. But the psalm, the psalms are actually, most of them are prayers. And if you battle in your prayer life, I battle in my prayer life, sit and read psalms. But, of course, in appreciation, we appreciate. So what, what I appreciate is the fact that God saw me and He didn't let me go. There's a real with me. And He knew <coughs> that I wasn't going to respond to anybody inviting me for the Bible study in the church. But my daughter told me at one stage that she prayed for us. So much so that one night she dropped up from her knees and there was a wet patch on the cup. Because of the tears that she shed. <coughs> Okay, so life goes on, and now, why don't we go on? Go on. There you are. You can fill the page. Okay. So now, you know, we're all elated, we've been baptized, we're fine, we're, and then life catches up with us. We must get used to the fact that. Baptism is the beginning, it's not the end. It is just the beginning. So, there's a two-sided reality, which we must also appreciate. You know, we, we are both complete in Christ and growing in Christ. We are complete in Christ because our acceptance is assured. And we're growing in Christ because He works in us to make us more like Christ. We have both the status of kings and the duties of slaves. We feel both the presence of God and the pressure of sin. We are enjoying the peace that comes from being right with God, but we still also face the daily problems that help us grow. 
And we must appreciate that. Because without that, there is no growth. If we remember this, we will not become discouraged in the face of sin. Rather, we will learn to depend on the power of Christ which is in us through the Holy Spirit. But it is the life that we must live and to live. But I cannot help to say that I don't always appreciate that. And I don't think all of us always appreciate this. Well, in our. Let me just tell you about this clip. This guy um, taught a Bible class in China. I don't know if anybody had seen this before. I hope not, maybe Francois, because I might have shown it to you. But um, when I saw this clip, it really made an impact on me, because it is so, so true. Sorry guys. That may do the trick. Check. Let me finish with this uh, story. I, we go to China from time to time. And Let me finish with this uh, story. I, we go to China from time to time, and, and uh, 
uh, we train leaders. And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. Thought, no way. I looked at them and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? They counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you... You, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. <laughs> did you have much time in prison? <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. Amen. Wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like uh, 
you become like us. But I will pray that we become just like you. Okay. end with this, <clears throat> and that is, if we go back, if we go back to 1952, I found another piece um, written by somebody whose name I couldn't find. It goes like this. He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I spoiled this one. I took out his sheet, all spoiled and blotted, gave him a new one, all unspotted. And into his tired heart I cried, Do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, dear master? I spoiled this one. <clears throat> it took my day all spoiled and rotten, gave me a new one, all unspotted, and into my tired heart he cried, do better with this one, my son. Doesn't that reflect the grace of God more than anything else? And for that, <coughs> I am Extremely appreciative. Amen.